0: Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring, boring,
1: boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You you, still have bro, man, run around tight pants.
0: It's Mookie Betts. Daniel Bard. Steve Aoki. Here's
1: Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host.
0: All right. Welcome back to WBC Central. A baseball isn't boring podcast it has been i mean it's been weeks since i've done uh, an episode so i apologize for the delay but i think it was worth the wait because this is going to be a super fun interview that we have scheduled today with the one and only writer for mlb.com international baseball extraordinaire and massive denim head michael (laughs) claire what's going on man oh man thank you
1: for that uh the, the only uh part of that intro I'll accept is denim head the rest uh the rest <laughs> i don't know about but i'll accept denim head <laughs> <laughs>
0: i love it no man this is this is going to be a ton of fun you and i connected over the wbc i mean months ago at this point um and, and for those listening whether you're listening on podcast or uh, uh watching the v- video michael and i are just going to be doing a q a Uh, about everything related to the World Baseball Classic. We put out a tweet on Twitter about uh, just asking you for your questions. So just said, feel free to ask whatever you wanted to, and we're going to try to cover as many of those as we can. Um, So this is going to be a ton of fun. I couldn't think of anyone else that would be better to have on to just talk about the WBC. I know you love it as much, if not more, than I do. Um, And this is pretty cool because I got to cover a lot of the tournament in person in the Western hemisphere, you got to cover it on the entirely different part of the world, so I think this is going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, I uh, you are like the Mr. International. The amount of people when I was overseas are like, Oh, do you know Sean? and I was like, Well, I haven't met him in person yet, so it's so slight. Uh, when we got to meet, uh, you know, in person in Miami, and uh, yeah, finally, because the only thing I ever want to talk about is international baseball, and the people in my life, my wife, are like that's great. That's great. But I'm trying to sleep right now. So to be able to spend who knows how long talking about with you and couldn't be happier.
0: Oh, man. No, I love it. I was the same way when we got to meet in Miami. I was like, finally, like this guy that we I mean, it was just like, I think we just tweeted back and forth. And then I was like, Oh, he's tweeting about the same thing as I am. And he's the only other one that's doing it in English. I should probably follow him. Yeah. You were the it,
1: it, only one talking about this stuff. Like, Eight months before the WBC, maybe even longer. At least that's like when I first started. Like, and you were the only person. You were like a one-man hype machine. I loved it. And
0: we're gonna start it even earlier this next go around. We'll start it <laughs> right years now, in we're advance.
1: Twenty twenty-six. Right now, we're, we're starting it right now. <laughs> no so stopping. Just... Your projections. <laughs> oh
0: man, awesome. No, I. This, like I said, this is gonna be a ton of fun. Um, so, just a little bit of housekeeping this is wbc central my name is sean spradling this is michael Clare. um this is a baseball isn't boring podcast so please like subscribe um, on all of your podcast platforms anywhere you listen to podcasts you can watch my youtube channel as well anywhere that you can find baseball isn't boring podcast network is where you can find wbc central so do that follow like everything. Um, today, like I said, we're going to do just a general Q&A. We're going to talk about everything about the WBC. We had a bunch of y'all put uh, to give us some, some questions that we're really excited to talk about. So we'll go into that. But first, I thought we could do a super fun segment to start it off. Real quick segment of show and tell, because I hear, Michael, that you got some pretty cool souvenirs from Japan, so wanted to give you an opportunity to show off a little bit.
1: All right, well, I'm excited to see what, what you picked up on your travels, uh, but I've got a couple things. I'm wearing uh, my Czech baseball hat, uh, the famous hat that Otani wore in Miami and then sold out everywhere. So actually this is the the pre-tournament cap. Uh, it's a little different, but uh, you know, it became like the hardest thing to get. I did an interview uh, for Japanese media wearing it once. And they were like, "You're wearing a check hat? Like, are you playing like favorites?" <laughs> so I was like, "No, no. Like, don't worry. Like, Otani wore it, so it's now just fashion for the world." Um, <laughs> I've got. I'm wearing a Team Japan sweatshirt, Samurai Japan. Uh, this was. So I, I I went to a store, and I, I just grabbed this real quick. I thought I was gonna be able to go back and get more, but the lines were like four or five hours. There was a uh, a lottery that. You got in line for it at 4 a.m. They selected it at 6 or 7. So I never was able to get back to the store. The only reason I was able to get this is that I think when I got in line, it was just opening and I didn't speak Japanese. So I think they were just like, go ahead. You can you can take your, your thing and go. A um, couple other little things. Because you couldn't get anything from the store, there were these little uh, Japanese oh, capsule yeah. things. Uh, I did a ton of those. Um, Genda, who I really fell in love with, the shortstop, uh, I got like a little figurine of his, but he's on on my desk. uh, Super cool. But these like were the only thing that you could get without trying to like be in a lottery or pre-order like months in advance. Uh, Let's see. All right, a couple other things. Went to a, on one of my days, my one day off, went to a record store, picked up Tokyo Street Rockers. I went to a couple Japanese punk bars, and uh, I don't know, being able to just like look at, I just look at these and go, "That's who I want to be." I want to be,
0: oh man, Tokyo's
1: street rocker, nineteen eighty one. Obviously, gotta go denim. This is uh, yes, Big John made in Okayama. Big John, uh, not a not like one of the most popular ones, but I think they, they were one of the first to to do it. So these are just like classic straight leg. Nothing fancy. 17 ounces though. Uh, I can send photos. The first day I wore them, they cut my legs to pieces. So, uh, yeah, they, they ripped them Do they stand up Uh, on their own? Uh, close, close. We had to hang them on something once and they didn't drape over. They just kind of like laid there and had to like push it down to get it to actually lay. And then this, I didn't get in Tokyo, but I thought I would have to show it off. So, I recently ordered a bunch of boxes of Czech baseball cards uh, to the MLB offices. And uh, the Czech team was nice enough to send a couple things. Uh, they sent a team signed baseball, which was unbelievable that that's at my desk at work. But then Lukas Erkole, who beat France in, uh, in the Regensburg qualifier, that was the first win for Czech baseball in, in WBC qualifier history, uh, he mm-hmm. sent along a little Czech jersey, uh, a little Aww. signed Lukas Erkole. So this, the reason it's out, uh is I, I I need to frame this obviously, you know, put up some photos from, from WBC. Uh, but this is uh I don't know, like the, the crown jewel of the of the WBC uh collection, I guess. So uh that jersey
0: is history right there, man. That right is there.
1: Awesome. Right there. So yeah, gotta thank Lukashka, thank, you know, everyone with baseball check. Uh, so how about you? What what what? I I know it's so hard to to get stuff. The lines were always insane. Everything was sold out. Uh, what what did you pick up?
0: Yeah, uh, it was it was tough to to pick up things. This we you and I talked about this before. It once what once I got to Miami, uh, which was only for the semis and the final. Pretty much everything was sold out. And I also was like just starstruck by the fact that I was there. I didn't expect to actually be there in person, so I forgot to like buy any souvenirs or pick anything up. Um, but that being said, did get two things I wanted to show. The first is this. Uh, actually, no, I'll show this first. This is not a physical item per se, but it's on my phone so I can show you. For those who are uh, watching on the YouTube channel, I got a selfie with eBay, wow. And that was maybe my favorite picture. I took the entire WBC because The story behind it was we were on the field before the Mexico-Japan game in the semifinals, and everybody was just absolutely starstruck by Otani. Everybody ran up to Otani. So funny because some of the nicest people I've met were in the Japanese media, all on the field there together. Um, Got to meet a lot of those uh, to the people that had come over from Japan. But once Otani came out on the field, they all shoved me out of the way, pushed to the front. They had to be right there in front of him. It was like, no one mattered except for him. And that's true. No one mattered except for him in that moment. So I don't blame them. Um, But because of that, I couldn't get close to him or like Newt bar was obviously super, super popular. So I got really close to interviewing Newt bar, but uh, the the guys next to me, it was actually the, uh, the baseball the the baseball bros I think it's called
1: were they in like the full like big league shoe like shorts button down kind of outfit
0: yeah they they're the two guys that are like 20 21 years old that just go around the country like interviewing players asking like really funny questions they're like pretty popular on social media they're super nice guys I got to meet them but they they got to interview new bar and unfortunately that was like his last interview of the day on, on the field so I was like, well. Uh, who do I interview? And then I saw Ipe kind of just standing behind Newt Bar. Since he speaks English, they were able to talk to him in English. So I was like, Ipe, can d- can I interview you? And he like looked around and he was like, me? Like You want to talk to me? And so I actually got to give him like a, we did like a 45 second minute interview and then I took a selfie with him. So that's the selfie. It was a ton of fun. He was super nice. He was just so confused why I wanted to talk to him. But then I was like, yeah, you're like almost as famous as Otani at this point. So You deserve this.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's better than anything you can buy. A photo with a person and Ipe, who I've only heard, is like amazing. And yeah, the amount of media attention he gets just by being the speaker for Otani. And then, yeah, for him to get to speak for himself. uh, I love that. That's so great.
0: He's the voice of Otani. It's it's so fun. He was so nice. Um, The second thing uh, that I got there was something I didn't expect. And it was the very last game. It was during the championship. Um, it was just such a big blessing to be able to be a part of the press, um, to get to cover it in person and everything. And everybody in the press box got these WBC pins, these beautiful gold pins. Um, and it was just, for me, it was so cool because it was like all of this content that I created had led up to this point. We were watching the final, uh, and then they like gave us these, these little gold pins that are just beautiful. I mean, it's like a, it's just like a gold, clean WBC logo pin. So just really thankful. It was just a cool symbol of everything that had gone on up to that point, months of like preparing and talking to people, meeting people. So those are the two things I wanted to share. It wasn't a ton. I didn't get to buy a ton of stuff, but um, you did like this before for those watching on the YouTube channel. This isn't from the WBC, but the shirt I'm wearing is a, is a starter t-shirt from 1998 from the uh, home run race when Mark McGuire, it says King Mac was in the uh, home run
1: race. So there's that.
0: That's so good.
1: <laughs> That's so good. But I got to say, yeah, I, I was the same with that pin because it's such a simple thing, but to be like, yes, I recognize her. I'm not, you know, we're, we, the, what we do is we share the stories about other people, right? Like we're not yes. the story. Um, so it's nice to, you know, have a little moment like, yeah, I am also, I'm we're, we're a part of this. We, we did something all together. Like there's the worldwide baseball community and not all of it happens on the field. So yeah, when I saw yeah. that little pen pin next to my computer at the end of the night, that was like a, it was a really nice thing. So uh, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, in terms of the important stuff, you got the important stuff right there.
0: <laughs> it was just like a mission accomplishment. Cause like you said, it was, maybe 10% of my stuff was me. Like there was just so much collaboration. I had so many amazing people from around the world, honestly, like reach out to help with my graphics and uh, like translate things for me. I can't speak or read Japanese. So I had to have all these people help me with things. So it was just like a moment that I was like, wow, look at all of what has happened. All of these people that have gotten to this point and helped me get to this point for me to even be able to be here and experience this. Just a really cool moment. So it was a ton of fun. Yeah.
1: And I gotta say, you're, you're coming about the Japanese media. Like I want to thank all of them as well. Like they were unbelievably kind, you know, not, not all of them spoke English, but the ones that did came up and welcomed me and, you know, told me, Hey, if you need help with anything, let me know. I'm there in the press conferences, stealing questions, you know, like it, it, it can be very territorial, but they were nothing. Like everyone working was so warm and welcoming and just, yeah. Collaborative. Everybody just, you know, yeah, it was, it was, That's the beauty of global baseball right there, you know, meeting people from around the world.
0: So it's, it's just a totally different conversation when it's like, everybody's here to showcase their country, their culture, their people like Everybody was just so nice the entire time. Like every country had fans and media members that were just like excited to learn and share about each other. So I never felt like anyone was really aggressive or like, I didn't even have any bad experiences with anyone. Honestly, it was great.
1: Yeah. Same. Same. it was a, it's a pretty magical thing the fact that yeah both of us can say that I, I'm not sure how often that that happens
0: so yeah for sure and last thing on your hat that was one of my favorite storylines of the WBC2 uh, just like this was this was when Otani became glo- truly global like the fact that he wore a hat that is like had no reason to be as popular as it is but the fact that he just wore it or ate a bag of Funyuns. Just yeah. the, once he touches something, it turns to gold. And it, it was so fun to see that happen. So when you wear that, I always think about that.
1: <laughs> and it's great. Cause he like, I, you know, I don't know him, but we saw the like respect that team Japan had for team Czech. Like they were, and it was the same with the fans, you know, they respected the effort and the love that they brought to baseball. And so, yeah, Otani's going to wear a Czech Republic hat because he respected that team. And, you know, he met with Andre Satoria and they, you know, exchanged gifts. Like it was uh, it was a, it was a pretty great moment for, for global baseball, just people, just the globe in general. It doesn't have to be about oh, baseball. Yeah. Just, just a good moment around the world.
0: Oh, it's beautiful that 2023 WBC will go down in history as one of my favorite baseball moments ever. But with that, Let's go ahead and jump into the Q&A because we got a ton of questions and I want to try to get to them as as many of them as possible. So we'll start out with like a really deep, hard-hitting one. um, That's probably the most important of all the questions so far. So I'll pose this to you. From Daniel underscore Woodrow on Twitter. Why hasn't actual real life Harry Ford been knighted yet?
1: Uh, One, that's the most important question. Um, I can tell you, that we have people embedded with the British government asking that question right now.
0: Uh,
1: I imagine they were too busy with the, the King's actual coronation, uh, but I assume it's like number three on Britain's to-do list right now. So um, I would say I, so. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sean, you have a take?
0: Yeah. I, uh, and I want to give a shout out to Daniel cause this was probably the funniest question we got. Uh, so I wanted to shout that out and give it a <laughs> put that one first. Um, but in in typical international baseball niche, weird world fashion, I went into this way more than I needed to. Um, I actually looked up what the criteria was to be knighted. So from the UK's official government website, it says a knighthood is an award given by the queen or king uh, having a major contribution in any activity, in any activity, usually at the national or international level. Other people working in the nominees area will see their contributions as inspirational and significant, requiring commitment over a long period of time. I would say that Sir Harrison Michael Ford, future Sir Harrison Michael Ford, meets all of those criteria, made a significant impact on the international level. His peers have recognized his, uh, his work as being extensive. Um I would say the only thing that he doesn't have yet is working over a long period of time. So future, in the future, I think that he has a potential of actually being knighted.
1: I love this. I hope you're right. And maybe he'll have maybe they'll do a ceremony at the London series and uh bring him out to the, the mound. Drew Spencer, manager of the team, can take the sword. Uh <laughs> I love it um
0: so we just need him to represent gb baseball for a couple more wbcs i think he's got it i think he's got this in the bag
1: i had no idea there was actual rules i thought it was just like a vibes thing like does it feel like he's a you know he's a a, a knight then he's a knight so that's very surprising to me
0: well i feel like most of those things i said are pretty much vibes it's like if he's made a big impact (laughs) in an activity and they see it as significant so Pretty much vibes, but, but I think yeah. that Harry Ford's a big vibes guy, so I'm about
1: it. <laughs> I love it. I love that so much.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, all of the rest of the questions aren't quite as important as that one. But number two on the list from uh, Webster on Twitter at WallyEatsCats. Eats Cats. I love that name. What was the thing that surprised you most about how fans experience a game compared to an American game? So a little bit of context behind that. This, when you compare it to an American game, so he said compared to an American game, we context behind that is this is fans cheering for their national team. So it's going to be already a different conversation from like a replacement level MLB middle of July game. Um, But that being said, and it only being every three to four years, that being said, Michael, I'll pose this to you because you were in Japan. You got to see a very different baseball atmosphere. What was something that surprised you most about the fan experience there?
1: So there were a couple of things, um, and I really liked the differences. Uh, Mm. so one, and especially when team Japan was playing, obviously, you know, if it's if many of the afternoon games, you know, were maybe half full people had work, you know, that's understandable. Um, But when Team Japan was playing, everyone was in their seat and not getting up by batting practice. They got up to go to the bathroom and maybe get a beer. But if you were on the concourse during a Team Japan game, they were empty. It was actually, if you had to go to the bathroom, it was like, wait, wait till the middle of the game because the bathroom line will be empty. Um, Which I thought was unbelievable. Uh, Wow. Obviously the songs. And that's what was kind of interesting. So you know, I, I I I've been to a, a regular season game in the KBO, and I, I was surprised there. You have the home fans who are singing when the teams at bat, but then when the when when the away teams at bat, traveling fans sing. I assumed it was all home fans the whole time. So at the mm-hmm. WBC though, when you're playing countries that don't usually sing, you would have lots of songs when Team Japan was at bat, and then it would be pretty silent when the mm-hmm. opposition was at bat because there's not. You know, pre-programmed music. It's it's all from what the fans bring, and it's not that the away fans didn't have atmosphere. It's just I think two hundred or so people traveled from Czech. That's unbelievable. That's a huge cheering group, but compared to you know the Tokyo Dome, that's kind of small. So it it did get kind of quiet for the opposition, um, but then. Team Japan would come up and it would be the loudest thing with the songs and the horns. And I still can't get Munetaka Murakami's song out of my head. It's my absolute uh-huh. favorite. And then the, the other thing I just really loved was, you know, the way we just kind of talked about uh, the Japanese fans really loved, they just love baseball. If they, they would cheer for the opposition um, when they would do something well, they would cheer for the opposition when they finished their batting practice and cheer them off the field. And uh, you know, for Team Czech and Team Australia, when they weren't playing uh, Japan, they were rooting for them. I remember sitting there and, and seeing a group of Japanese fans sitting with the Czech fans and, you know, screaming, you know, Chesco, Chesco, Chesco the whole time. Or um, when uh, when Team Australia was playing and uh, Tim Kennelly, the team captain's daughter, was screaming, let's go, yes. daddy, a bunch of Japanese oh. fans started shouting, let's go, daddy. It was it was great. It was I, fantastic. You know, it was so heartwarming, and you don't often see at an American ball game groups of fans cheering for who you're not a fan of. You might not boo them, but you're probably not going to cheer. And that—that's probably the number one thing that stood out to me was was in Japan mm-hmm. the amount of cheering the opposition would get, just as like a sign of respect for baseball. It, it kind of felt like.
0: Absolutely, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I was about to say that as well is, I think if you were to ask someone just like a general, not even a baseball fan, just about Japanese culture, probably one of the first thing that comes to mind is respect. Like it's very well known that Japan is big on respect. And I think that is, that plays a big part into baseball culture there as well. Like the fact like you said that you see the Japanese fans rooting for all the other teams or even like, even the teams that they're playing against, if they make a really good play, they'll cheer, cheer them as they leave the field. It is so cool. And something that's pretty different from over here for better or worse, like it's just, it's different. It's not necessarily better. It's just a different culture and a different atmosphere. And that's that was super cool to see that as well. I think the thing that for me, when it comes to the Japanese team that I can't get out of my head is when uh, Otani was pitching and how silent it gets when he's pitching. When any of the, like Team Japan, Samurai Japan pitchers are on the mound, it's dead silent. And then the moment that they're a strike, it'll they'll cheer super loud or like they strike someone out it's just like deafening but the it's not just the all loud all the time it's like the silence to the screeching loudness it was crazy it was like gave me chills and goosebumps so it's it's different over there for sure
1: and what about because I know I got to Miami you know towards the end but already the atmosphere was pretty different you know for you in Phoenix and Miami what was the atmosphere like for you? Like, what were those early Phoenix games? Like, I didn't even get to get to see those. I had to send you an email recently and ask you about a couple things that happened there because I really was just trying to catch up on Phoenix when I woke up in the morning.
0: Yeah, that was one of the hardest parts for me <laughs> that I had to mourn is like, oh, I can't watch all these games because I'm in person at these games and I'm covering them. I can't follow these games at the other venue or like Uh, on the other side of the world, like I'm trying to wake up for every game, but I slept in one day and oh no, like I missed this whole, this amazing game. So I get that for sure. Um, but yeah, the, so I'll, I'll go just kind of give an overview of what I experienced there. So when it comes to the fan experience in Miami and Phoenix, there was also a very big cheering, uh, and, and, and song singing culture that us fans aren't necessarily used to or accustomed to, um, when it comes to like a lot of, uh, the Latin American countries. So you got like the Dominican Republic and Venezuela, Puerto Rico and uh, Nicaragua, like they all have a, a lot of chants and, and, and singing, but it's also just always loud. It's just like loud the entire time. It's impressive how they can just keep that volume up the whole time. And in Miami is the perfect place for those cultures and those uh, fan bases as well, because there's just such a big, uh a uh, uh, big population of all of those different pool d um countries there so it was it was perfect for that um when it comes to phoenix mexico was really really loud uh it was a home game for them pretty much every game even against the us there were more mexican fans than us fans there and the it, it was almost even but the mexican fans that were there were even louder than the american fans Um, I think they're just more used to chanting and cheering and singing because of their soccer background. Like in soccer, that is a big, big deal is the whole time you're singing those songs. Um, So I, I, I feel the same way about the European countries. If they were to, like, let's say Great Britain does start creating a bigger baseball culture and they get really good. They make it to multiple WBCs and there's like a big foundation for baseball. I could see them implementing a lot of songs into their fan experience because they're so used to soccer and in soccer, they have a ton of songs for every player, which I love. So Colombia was also super loud. Um, I think that the one country that I do want to point out when it comes to, because the question was what surprised me most about how fans experience a game that none of those things really surprised me that much. I would say the biggest surprise for me was watching Cuba because there was just so much, wrapped up in that game i think you were already there for that game uh usa i would say the fan experience at a cuba versus usa game or just a cuba game in the u.s is just uh kind of eerie and especially in miami different that was the, the fact that it's in little havana like it was for those that didn't watch, there were multiple protests on the field. If when when the USA would score, you had more Cuban fans cheering than American fans, honestly like it there's just so there's like an internal conflict when it comes to being Cuban and rooting for your team, whether you want to root for your country or you want to root against the government. So it's I it goes way deeper than baseball, but it was really interesting to see, them express like the, the Cuban fans express themselves and express their uh, like uh, opinions and like viewpoints in a baseball atmosphere. Cause they use that as a platform. So that was really interesting to me and it surprised me for sure.
1: Yeah. That, that, that atmosphere that night was um, yeah. Different than anything I've ever been in because normally in sports, you, you, you basically treat the sporting teams as separate from the country. So no matter how you feel mm-hmm. about whatever your country or separate country is doing international political wise, it's like the sports are apolitical. We're just here to celebrate the people, but that's kind of yeah. an, impossible in that situation. So yeah, it was, uh, I'll agree with you there actually. Yeah, that was probably, I, I could never have been prepared for for what that atmosphere was going to be like.
0: I was sitting next to some of my friends that had, uh, that I had met over Twitter also that were Cuban that lived in Miami and, just sitting next to them and hearing the way that they were taking in the game and like how they had anticipated, like all of the Cuban fans knew for weeks that there would be protests at the game. I didn't know. Cause I just didn't know what to expect. They knew, Oh, they were like placing bets on like over under of how many people would run on the field. Like, it's just, so it was known that that would happen. So I, I had my Uber driver to the, the game was Cuban. Uh, no, he, he's Cuban. He's American. Now he, I believe he said he was a citizen. It was very broken English. Um, He was a super nice guy. He had moved over a few years before Uh, when I, he saw that I was going to the stadium. He was like, Oh, you're going to the baseball game. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to the USA Cuba game expecting him to be like oh yeah yeah Cuba he was like oh i'm going for the US like i i am going all for the US i love the US like i cannot root for the Cuba so i'm not like i'm not one to speak on what was going on there because there there's just it's so deep and and so politically driven But that was just kind of a good example of me being surprised, like, oh, wow, I did not expect that to be his reaction. And I didn't expect there to be all of these Cuban fans cheering for the U.S. over their own country. It's just it was a way for them to express their viewpoints. So I
1: I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, same. I I agree totally. Definitely surprised me. But I would
0: say that all of the cultures that we got to see, all of the different baseball Atmospheres and cultures was it was just so fun to see them all mixed together and and mingle. So
1: the one thing I want in the future, and this is probably something that might be asked later, but and it's not serious at all. It's just um, with all those countries, you know, some major league teams like when the Royals are in town, they'll do like a Kansas City brisket hot dog. Like I wanted like I wanted like at the stadium, like here's the Czech svichková dish. Oh, uh, and, you that know, would be so fun. Australia, like a hot dog with Marmite on it, or, um, I'm, I'm showing how little I know outside of hamburgers and hot dogs, but like, I would just love <laughs> to be like, I'm watching Nicaragua right, right now. So I'm getting a, you know, Nicaraguan <laughs> dish at the ballpark. So that that's like my one wish is, um, you know, I guess it's same for the merch too. Cause not only could you not get into the store, but it was mostly, it's like 95% the host country stuff there with a couple yeah. other things mixed in two wishes, special, weird, special food from around the world. And then, you know, I'm there. I want to get hats from it. My dream is I have hats from all the countries. So, uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: this, uh, I mean, the WBC is such a good way to showcase different cultures and different people. So I, I mean, I found myself really wanting and craving like trying different foods. Like I even posted on Twitter. I was like, Get, I, I I was like, get, tell me, like reply in the comments with what your favorite food, like dish is from your country. got so many replies and I just, it, it made me so hungry and I wanted to try it all. So hopefully next time we can actually do something like that. I think it'd be a ton of fun. And like I said, Miami is the perfect place for that. There's so many people from other countries. It's so diverse in Miami.
1: 100%. That's a great idea.
0: But that is a good segue into our next question because, uh, Jeff on Twitter at J He asked if you were setting up the 2026 WBC, what would your four host cities be for pool play? And I get this question so often because there are a ton of fans and a ton of people around the world that want to show off their country. They want to show showcase like, like the Olympics or the world cup, like, when your country or your city is hosting, you get to show so much about like how proud you are to be from that country and that state and that city. So a little context behind this as well. I think that, um, so in the past, it's mostly been four cities for the pools. And then for the most part, the last round or two has been in the same city. I think in 2006 or 2009, there were more than four. It was even more widespread. And then the last, there was like, I think the semifinals were in maybe San Diego and then the final was in LA or something like that. But we'll just set it at if there are four, if there are four host cities, what would you want those four to be in 2026?
1: All right, I've gone first twice. So I'm going to make you go first on this one uh, while I really Ah. think this through.
0: Ooh, that is, uh, well, that's a good point. You did go first on those other ones. (laughs) So (laughs) for me... (laughs) And here's the thing, and uh, I want to put this out there because there's two different methods to the pool pool games, and there's so much that goes into planning the WBC. You can do four four pools. I'm just going to put this out first. You can do four pools like they have in the past, or you can do one where everybody hosts in the same, everything is hosted in the same city or the same country, like they do in the Olympics and the World Cup, which solves the issue of the competitive balance between the pools. So you can actually randomize the pools rather than doing it regionally. It's a lot of difficulty to that because then you're taking, like if it's held in uh, Miami, let's say, you're taking Japan, Taiwan, and Korea, away from their home, uh, their time zones. It's a completely different time zone. A lot of adjustment that goes with that and their own like uh, facilities. So being away from that for a long time, right before the start of the season, that's difficult. So if we do have four cities, I would love to see Miami still. I think Miami is the perfect place to host. I could see it being Miami or LA or even Underrated city, I would say Houston. Houston is as diverse almost as Miami. I think that it could be a fantastic place to host in Minute Maid Park. I've been, minute, been to Minute Maid Park multiple times, and it's it's a great stadium. And the whole area around that in downtown, ton of restaurants, ton of different um, of, of like different countries and different cultures. So, I think that'd be a really good central place in the US and close to a lot of Mexican uh populations and in, in Latin America that could be a good place to host. So you know what? I'll say Houston for the sake of being different and not saying Miami. I'll say Houston. I will say I'm gonna I'm gonna say Tokyo. What would okay if you're not having it in Tokyo, where in Japan would you would you host it? Because I know I've had people say like there are other cities in, in Japan that could be great at hosting, but I just don't know what other cities there are.
1: So I was briefly in Osaka which at the um, Kyocera Dome, I believe is the name, and mm-hmm. that dome looks like a UFO. Like, like that looks like what we thought the future would look like. It was probably built in the sixties because, like, the outside looks like this giant, super cool UFO that like landed in the city. Um, that's really cool. I'll say though, what I was gonna say was Miyazaki. That mm-hmm. I went there for one day. That's where um, China, Czech, and Australia had their workouts before they went to Tokyo. And I say mm. Miyazaki. Uh, it's it. I, I was only there for one night, and where I stayed wasn't really downtown. So I re- I can't really say. You know, I was at the ballpark for like six hours, and then at the hotel, and then I flew to Osaka the next morning. So I, I really don't know a, a lot about it. But it's on the water, so it's gorgeous. But there's also mountains behind the stadium. I believe the submarines play there, so they should have enough you know seating. Uh, I think it's like a big golf vacation resort kind of place for people to go to. So ball players will want to go. And it's just, yeah, wow. it's outside Tokyo and it's, it's on the beach. It's now it's not a dome. I don't know like what rain is like, you know, when I'm answering this question, I'm not thinking about weather. I'm assuming nah. if, if we get to control this. Uh, so I don't know if like rain's a big issue there or something, but um, it's just like outside gorgeous, go have a vacation, then go watch some baseball. So if you're going to go outside Tokyo, uh, maybe it would never happen. Osaka would probably happen first, but,
0: Maybe Miyazaki. Mm, okay. Well, I will steal that from you then <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> because I Go think that's it. a great option. I'll Or if you say Osaka, I'll say Miyazaki because I just, I, I don't know. I've had a lot of Japanese fans that have reached out to me and said like, like we should still host, but we it doesn't have to be Tokyo because there's like a bunch of other really cool uh, stadiums around the country. So I'll say say Houston, I'll say Miyazaki, I will say uh, Santo Domingo in Dominican Republic because Dominican Republic has yet to host in the WBC. Puerto Rico even has, um, but there's I mean there's there's not much that can't that hasn't already been said about Dominican baseball. So just to get them to actually be able to host, the hard part is. I don't know, like the facilities are not quite up to par with a lot of other cities that have been able to host. So if they can actually maybe put some money into it over the next couple of years and actually like prepare in advance to host one of the uh, pools, I think that'd be great. So those three. And then um, I'll say so. I was going to say the Netherlands, I could, I guess, because they I want us to have one in Europe. I just want one time for a European country to host the WBC because and, and the Netherlands has so much baseball history themselves. So I would say that they'd probably be first them or Italy. But I think that with Honkball, that they have better fields and stadiums. So I guess Amsterdam. Um, so I'll say Amsterdam, Miyazaki, Houston and Santo Domingo. Those are my four.
1: I love it. I love it. I will do four different ones. Although I had Santo Domingo on my list um, for all the good reasons you had. And yeah, like who knows, you know, maybe this is like Olympics and the chance to host means, you know, you build the stadium and hopefully it's kind of like you build it and then people come, you know, like for, you know, it then has uses afterwards. So
0: um,
1: because of ignoring weather, I know we will never have this happen, but I want New York City so bad. I mean, who knows? Maybe... 15 years in the future as the, you know, planet heats up, maybe New York city is an option, but mm. if you talk about, you know, cause Miami's great. Houston's great. LA is great because of, you know, how diverse and the, the different foods and the people like New York has all that as well. So I, and just playing one of these games in Yankee stadium, like or city field, I just, I would, uh, or God, if it, You could do it if you could have one of these games in Boston and Fenway park, just to have like team Japan play like team USA at Fenway park would just be amazing. So that's a wish. I'm going to put it on my list because I'm ignoring weather. So I know why it can't happen, but I just think it would be phenomenal. Um, Uh. I want one in uh, Europe as well. Um, You know, Regensburg has a great facility, but yeah, it's not, it was great for qualifiers. Maybe not quite there for, but I'm going to say a sort of like if almost like if you do well in the WBC, you get rewarded by, I guess, having to build a special facility. But I want Prague. Um, I know Ooh. some of the better baseball facilities are in Brno in Czech Republic. But Prague and maybe Brno is really beautiful. I only spent a half day in Brno. I didn't really get to see it. Um, but Prague is like one of the most gorgeous cities I've ever seen. Uh, if not Prague, I agree with you on Italy. And I think Mike Piazza said they are trying to get like international quality stadium built in Italy. Like that's one of his goals as like manager of, of Team Italy is to, is to do that. So if not Prague, maybe that. Italy. Um, San Marino, I heard, is this gorgeous stadium that's like on a cliff wall. And like you uh, so um, I 100% I want to see WBC in Europe uh let's then go um i'll take osaka we're gonna stay in japan gotta stay in japan and then my last one is is really tough um so i'm gonna stick kind of with my you reward the team that kind of surprised a little bit let's go to let's go to melbourne let's go to australia uh you know you've got the abl there you've got good weather i think um i know it's i was totally
0: going to say australia if I hadn't done, uh, done Amsterdam, because that would, I mean, they have a league, they have plenty yeah. of stadiums. Melbourne is huge. Like they, it's beautiful. Like it would be, it'd be perfect for for the WBC.
1: And actually Mex- Mexico was my other one, but Mex- Mexico has hosted. I do yeah. think they should host more, but as we just saw from Mexico city, it's that is a, that is a, a tough ballpark. Like, you know, uh, because yeah. that that elevation. Uh, so I would love more in Mexico. I would love, love, love more in Mexico. Like one of my dreams is if MLB expands, that Mexico is one of the countries to get a team. Um, so You're but, a yeah, man
0: but- after my own heart. <laughs> I have posted about that so many times. Every time it's like Fox, uh, like uh, MLB Fox Sports, post like where where should they expand to next or like mlb is like where should we what should the next expansion be i'm always like monterey or mexico city (laughs) like monterey is beautiful and it's not quite that's not nearly as elevated they've held mexico series there before i've been to the stadium it's like right behind the uh right field like all the way behind the foul pole. you just see mountains it is stunning it's a beautiful city and they love baseball there i think that'd be perfect
1: yeah, that would be great. the, the Mexican Baseball Hall of Fame in Monterey, I think uh, that would be so. It's cool. a lot closer not, to Texas too, so it's just yeah. easier for uh, like teams to fly. That's true. If you do Monterey and Houston, like you know, that's uh, as, as two of the pools. Like that's that's not bad. I'll say one possibility: Montreal. There's a stadium. I assume they haven't torn it down. There's a stadium there that's the size, just updated a little bit, and it's ready to go.
0: That's perfect.
1: That it's could be dumb. perfect. Yeah. So, you don't have to worry about how cold it is in Montreal in March.
0: The Canadians are going to love this podcast. Yeah. We don't talk about them enough. <laughs> so, there you go. Montreal should host the WBC some year, 2026 or sometime in the future. We'll go on to the next question. I love this question because this is like this is my bread and butter. This is what I spent the last year doing. Um which up and coming prospects will impact their native team the most in the 2026 WVC. So this I'm not is sure. Where, if you've,
1: yeah, this is, I, I, I have a couple of answers, but this is where I was like, you know what? I'm going to let Sean just go because he's done like the hard research here. Uh, I only know a couple names. Um, I wonder if you'll you'll have any of them. Uh, obviously, it's not a prospect, but Jazz Chisholm on Team GB, uh, if he plays, that immediately transforms uh, Team oh, Great Britain. Yeah. Um, then uh, one is uh, for, for uh, Czech Republic. He had recently signed with the D-backs, so it uh, was mm-hmm. unavailable at the WBC, but uh, Boris Vercherka um so really excited about him 18 years old uh hard throwing pitcher so you know who knows what Mm -hmm. that bullpen would have looked like with him in it and then this would be for the qualifiers and i'm gonna mispronounce his name but for france ben cure Curve ben couvre c-o-v-r-e-u-r he's 15 years Uh old i think he's like six 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 seven throwing 88 already um He's on the Montpellier Barracudas, 30 strikeouts in 19 innings. You know, walks are a little high, ERA's a little high. But again, he's 15 years old playing men in the French Division I Baseball League. Uh, There are some teams interested in him. um, And just to give a little teaser, uh, I've got a story on him coming in the next couple weeks. So if you want to know more about that pitcher who I recently was turned on to, uh, there will be that story uh, coming up
0: absolutely no yeah def- definitely check check it that out and go follow michael for all of the i mean you got great like all of your international baseball stories are awesome so well, i i you. always yeah. read well, up I, on your stuff so
1: yeah thank you i mean again this is, it's the quality of people i found out about this kid because you know a person told me and then i called someone and they told me more and then they told me to call someone else so uh you know, it's, uh, it's the international baseball community at work right there.
0: Well, I loved your prospect picks. Uh, Boris v- Vichurka, is that how you pronounce it?
1: That's how I pronounce it. because I think the Nike okay. is over the C, which I was told makes like a CH sound, but okay. I could be wrong. He, so.
0: He's a stud. I, I was looking into him for this this last WBC, and I, I thought he'd be on the roster. Of course, like you said, he signed with the D-backs, wasn't able to play. He should be on the team the next time, next go around. Um, And they have, they've already qualified for the 2026 WBC. So they can just start preparing for the main tournament. They don't have to worry about qualifying. So hopefully he's on the team. Jazz would be massive. I think that that is, that's the one that's like a big star in MLB that didn't play in this WBC other than like the American pitchers. But he's the big guy that I would love to see play for the British team. And they too have already qualified for 2026. So Great picks. I love it. Um, a couple of the names that I want to point out, um, Yuri Perez. Um, and I, I love prospects. I, this is, I, like I said, this is my bread and butter. I just love seeing the guys that are going to be up and coming, uh, in the next few years, Yuri Perez, Marlins. He is technically still a prospect, even though he has already debuted and has been playing with the Marlins has been lights out. Um, I want to see him pitch for the Dominican Republic so bad. They lost out a lot of their on a lot of their top pitchers uh with this WBC, what, Framer Valdez, Luis Castillo, um, guys like that. So I think that he would be, I think by 2026, he's has the potential of being one of the best pitchers in the game. He's a freakish athlete. He's tall, lanky, throws super hard. Um, I think he could, if not, be their ace, at least one of their in the rotation. Yuri Perez, definitely a name to look out for. Marcelo Meyer. Is American born, but his family is Mexican. He's the top prospect for the Red Sox. I think you're a Red Sox fan, right? I uh, am. Yeah. So this is that's someone that you probably know as well. He, he both of his parents, I think both of his parents are from Mexico, um, and he has expressed interest very subtly that he might play for Mexico in the future. So I've I, I have a suspicion that he will be playing in 2026, and he could be their starting shortstop for mexico in 2026 um we have the Urias brothers up the middle as well so maybe one of them will move over to third base but i love the mexican team i think that they are still underrated even with how well they did uh in this in 2023 and he could be a mainstay in that lineup for years he could be like the core of that lineup um another guy i want to point out real quick drew jones son of andrew jones if he's kind of struggling at this point in the minors, he's still super, super young. So I have full confidence that he'll figure it out. And he's represented the U.S. in the past at the youth levels. But his dad is from from Curacao. So we could see him either represent the Netherlands or Curacao, depending on how Tim Curacao does in uh, qualifiers but I think he'd be awesome to see the WBC to play for one of them. So those are a couple of guys I could go on and on about the the players that I want to see like Jackson Churio Brewers outfielder. Like he's super young. I don't know if he'll be even old enough, like to, to play in 2026. He's still like 18, I think, but yeah, ton of guys, he'd be playing for Venezuela, but this is a great question.
1: Yeah, this is, this is um, honestly uh, the way the sausage is made. The amount of times I went to your Twitter account to be like, "Uh, I, yeah, this looks I, I think this guy might like play this position or could be important on the team." Be like, let's see what Sean said. So when it comes to like the prospects uh, and all that, like you are like the source for like all this stuff. So, yeah, uh, whatever it, w- what you say goes pretty much.
0: I mean, the, I think it's because the eligibility requirements are a little confusing. So I did so much explaining online of like who is eligible for like how to be eligible for a country and who's even eligible. Like I we had talked about it was supposed to be Lars Newbar and Steven Kwan were the two guys that were going to play for Samurai Japan. Kwan didn't exactly qualify, Newbar did. And we saw how that turned out. So I uh I I love this stuff. I love seeing the players that get to represent like their parents, uh, where they're from or like like Marcelo Meyer, if he gets to play for Mexico, even though he's from the US like that, that'd be super cool. So there's a ton of players like that in the WBC that get to represent one of their cultures that they don't always get to. The Italian Americans. Yep, there you go.
1: Alan Carter, uh, one of the nicest guys I've ever spoken to. And yeah, when I spoke to him, he was like, I when I was 13 years old, I saw Team China playing and his mom's Chinese, like from China. Like when he was at the WBC, his mom was in China with her family. And, uh, yeah, he's like, I was 13 years old watching this team. And I told him, I'm like, I hope I play for them one day. And Ray Chong, uh, was, uh, playing them still playing now. Well, Ray was the one who called him and said, do you want to play for team China? Like what an unbelievable moment. Like, you know, he gets to represent his culture, his family. So, uh, it's, it's awesome.
0: I love that so much, man. It, yeah, he he was super nice, and he also was like really helpful with like the team China stuff because a lot most of those guys don't speak English too well, and you can't find anything of them about them on Baseball Reference. So he was like such a great connection for me and for international baseball fans. So shout out Alan Alan Zong Carter because he's he's a really cool dude.
1: And um, I want to say in the game when China was getting just you know really beat bad by Korea, you know they had they had played their hearts out almost beat check, you know, held their own uh, that last game, you know, when they just didn't have arms left um, and and Carter pitch, he didn't really have a great game. He was on the top step of the dugout cheering every out, every batter for his team. Um, you know, it, 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 it's hard not to be a fan of that guy. If you watched him or spoken to him um, just, yeah, one of the, one of the, the great people in the game. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah. He's, he's great. He's a great dude. I last thing on that as well is when they played against the Czech. Um, I didn't know when I saw this matchup that there was history behind it, but, uh, him versus Mark Klup, when he struck out Mark Klup, they are two D two studs. Like they are two names that like D two baseball fans know very, very well. And apparently their teams are pretty big rivals and don't like each other. And they've had like fights in the past so for the very small niche group of like d2 baseball fans they loved that matchup so i shout out to both of them i both of them are great guys but alan alan got the uh dub on
1: that one he struck him out wow i had no idea about that uh what i do have sitting next to me uh is a merrick kloop uh game used bat regensburg uh check card I, I like, I, yeah, I, love, that's beautiful. I love insert cards, but I, I don't know what to do with them. Cause they don't fit in anything. So yeah. they just kind of sit on my desk, but yeah. Uh, Oh man. Uh, I had That's no a idea. great card. Uh, I, I had, I can't believe, uh, Carter and, and Kluk had a, had a history. That's so cool. I love it. I,
0: yeah. Someone DM would me and was like, yeah, they've like played against each other and their teams have, have some history. So didn't look too much farther into it, into what the history was. Cause it was in the middle of the tournament, but Sounded like it was a lot of fun for the fans of both of those universities they went to. Um, but yeah, we'll go on to the next question. This is a group of questions. I kind of put them all together because there's like three or four questions that were very similar. So the questions are, uh, Would do you think WBC qualifiers should expand to more countries? Which we kind of already answered. What changes in the next or future WBCs would you like to implement? What changes do you think the WBC needs the most? Uh, do you think that it's time to let WBC groups be decided by lot, uh, like lotteries? So basically what changes and should there be any changes to the way that the groups are divvied out?
1: Those are, I'll let you really go on this good. one first. <laughs> Yeah, first. Cause I'm, I'm like, those are really good questions. Those are also the questions everyone organizing the tournament asks and tries And that's to why
0: I'm answer. letting you go first. <laughs>
1: Um, like I love the the idea of you know as long as we're going to have four cities across the globe host unfortunately I think you do have to you know kind of regionalize them Um, which I know competitively is a little strange but at the same time you know we have the AL East and that's a harder division than the AL Central right now so I don't hate that too much i think it also you know um it's it's nice for uh you know korean fans it's closer for korean fans to get to japan right to see korea japan also a historic matchup than if i'm not sure how it would have where korea would have gone but let's say for example like korea would have gone to um you know miami well you know maybe there's not a huge Korean population there. I'm, I'm sure there is because it's Miami and there's a huge population of, of, of every culture there, but um, I, I yeah. don't hate uh, how the pools have been set up. Uh, yeah. What I would change, and I don't know how to fix this, but it's pitching. It all comes down to pitching. How do you get the pitchers there? How do you keep them healthy? How do you let the teams let the pitchers there? And that's where it comes down to the, the pitch count. But when you're in these tournaments where one game winner take all, and you know, Pavel Hadim of you know team check, the manager said if it wasn't for pitch count, our pitchers stay in the game and maybe the outcome is different, but we had no choice but to go to a reliever. I don't know how you do it because it, it, in a way it makes it fair. In a way, it means you have to have a, a deep bullpen. Um, that just makes it like part of roster construction is you need a ton of pitchers. But at the same time, um, if one guy, you know, like if if, if if a guy doesn't have a major league career, right, and wants to throw, you know, and is having the most amazing start ever and wants to go one twenty, why not? But I don't know how you fix yeah. that. So I have no, all I know is I want pitching to change, but there's a reason why it has only ever been slightly modified in the four times this tournament's been hosted because people smarter than me who run this tournament have thought about it and talked to people. And this is the most elegant solution they have. So um, the other change, and I do think we'll, as this starts to spread around the world, it's the pitch clock. But right now, MLB, American Baseball is the only thing with a pitch clock. Uh, You can't unilaterally force every nation to play with a pitch clock. But, you know, when you're watching some of these games and they're going three and a half, four, over four hours, and you look at how crisp Major League is this season, I think it's only a matter of time before the pitch clock just is the standard around the world. So how about you? Now you've got the you've got the hard, (laughs) hard, impossible questions to answer. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I think you're right
0: about the pitch clock is we can't change that until these leagues are actually have already implemented that at their own. Otherwise, we're just throwing them into a totally different style of pace, like pace of play that they're not used to throughout the whole season. So I'm, I'm sure at one point, MPB, KBO, CPBL, LMB, like they'll all implement the, the pitch clock at one point once they see it as successful in MLB. And at that point we can do that. But until then, probably not. Um, I, I mean, when I was thinking about this question, the biggest thing that came up for me was pitching like that is the biggest issue that we, and I will say the question didn't say, what is your solution? It just said, what would you fix? So, You don't have to have an answer, Michael. That's okay. I am not going to have an answer either. (laughs) Because like you said, there are people way smarter than us that that's their job to figure that out. (laughs) So um, yeah, I think that we had an increased level and talent of pitching in this WBC. And I think we've seen a slight increase every WBC. I think maybe the answer is just keep going, keep going, doing what you're doing. And the WBC is clearly uh, successful. The top pitchers want to play from every other country. There's a couple maybe in the U.S. that are a little iffy on it. But for the most part, a lot of those guys want to play. Tyler Glas was like, if I was healthy, I want to play. Dylan Cease was really close to wanting to play. So you got a lot of the top guys. Kershaw, like he wanted to play. If he would have got insurance, he was on the roster. He, so he,
1: he talked I, about paying his own insurance and it must have just been so astronomically high that that wasn't even an option for the pitcher himself to take out insurance.
0: You got to see. I mean, you saw him in that interview. He was like distraught. He was like, "I tried. Like, I literally tried to take out insurance myself." So I think that that is already a huge improvement from the previous WBCs. Um, it, like, we just didn't see any pitchers that even wanted to participate from the U.S. for a long time, and now they do. And the bigger that it's, the bigger deal it gets. And you see these Sandy Alcantaras and uh, the the Christian Javier's play for the Dominican Republic. You can see Otani pitch for Japan. I think that everybody's going to eventually catch up. So I think that maybe the answer is just patience because I think we have a good thing going right now. Um, uh, that's a can really can't force point. anyone.
1: Yeah. But yeah. that's a really good point because we're seeing more and more better players every year. And we're seeing that when it's over, they say that's the best baseball experience we've ever had. So who's not going to want to come out, you know, Senga probably would have pitched for Japan if he hadn't just signed a contract with the Mets. I mean, he was in Miami watching as a fan. So, yep. you know, yeah, I, these guys do want to play. So, uh, I think that's a really good point. Just, just be patient.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, real quick question that was kind of in the same group as that, that I forgot to ask from, uh, Jose Ar- Arredondo. He said, would you like a bronze medal game in the WBC? Yes, that would be a ton of fun. I would like to see a third place game.
1: more baseball is great to me exactly that's it's yeah uh i want a bronze medal game and then let's have games to determine fifth place seventh place we need games (laughs) the more games we can have uh the better i am uh no i'm 100 in for a bronze medal game i know you know there probably won't be a ton of fans for that one but the fans that do watch will love it and we'll have a great moment and uh, it'll be phenomenal. so yes 100 bronze medal game uh yeah all the way
0: I love it. next question kind of similar as well has to do with international play that is not implemented right now. do you this is from Isaiah Rosario and nacho ninety six both uh, kind of ask a similar question do you like the idea of midseason international friendlies like an international break in soccer like how soccer does it uh, how how there is a week off and we could see national teams face each other oh he's just saying like how they take a week off at soccer and then Nacho 96 said and what about the idea of an international series like a best out of five or seven I can take this one quickly because I think that yes absolutely I would love to see that and actually morosi and I talked about this briefly like I think there is a potential that that could happen someday I don't know about mid-season unless it happens to be during the all-Star break I think in like a usa versus world all-star game would be so much fun or what morosi had proposed and i love this idea if we could just find a way one time a year to get national teams on the field together so if it's usa versus dominican republic one time a year or japan versus usa one time a year just so that we can get more used to international play and watching our national teams i think that the um the people that may not like the WBC as much, will just, again, will be patient with it. They'll come around to enjoying it more because they'll just become more accustomed to it. I don't know if that happens in the next few years. I think it might be a little down the road, but I, I see that as a
1: possibility if we could just have one series like that. So my answer surprised me because my first thought was, of course, I want more international baseball, but actually. I don't want midseason breaks. I hate them uh-huh. in soccer, but it's, Soccer's once a week. What I love about baseball, what drew me to it is that it's every day, it's every night, mm. there's no breaks. So the thought of preseason, postseason. And the other thing is when there's like a tournament, like there are people that watch, you know, England play like San Marino in a friendly, but a lot of people don't. And the, even the players themselves are just kind of like, getting their work in or they're a young prospect trying to break in. Imagining taking a break from the regular season baseball for like a, I don't know, a friendly, like it would be fun to watch because I love international baseball and I love seeing small countries. So like, you know, US plays Italy or something and that's not small country, but Mm -hmm. you know, but as a friendly, that then doesn't matter. Like, I think Mm -hmm. if anything, it would, I want to see these national teams more. I don't think that's the way to, make me get into them more. I think, if anything, it's publicized the Pan American Games, the European Championships, you know, the the the, the tournaments that exist for these national teams make those a bigger deal. Um, now, do I want an international break for the World Baseball Classic? If they are willing to, if this would help pitchers get in and alleviate injury concerns, then once every three or four years we take a month off, great. The season starts early, goes late, fine. I'm totally down for that. Um, but I don't want to break up the schedule. Uh, but, yeah, if we can have international games all through the winter and, and the, the spring and the fall, I'm all for that. Uh, and then in terms of a series, I, I like this one game you're done. It makes it a little different because, you know, you watch baseball. It's a series, you, you know, I, you watch every night. But you're like, I just want my team to win two out of three games. And, they, you know, there's something fun about you got to be on it. And if your pitcher has a bad game, sorry, but maybe the final best of three. But I do like I do like that weird things happen and you get weird upsets. And in two thousand nine, when the Netherlands upset the Dominican, does that happen if they're playing a the best of five, best of seven? Probably not, mm. especially you know these these smaller nations maybe have one great pitcher and a great reliever, but you're gonna you know it just. I think you lose a little of the magic that you get and to me it's okay because it's a special tournament and it's this specific kind of thing you get one game um but again if at the end of the day does that get us more international baseball games then then sure then give it to me and I won't complain and I'll take my five and seven game series and it'll be great uh but but I kind of enjoy that not only is it national teams but the the strategy is different the style of play is different because you have to win this game or, or it's over for you
0: yeah no that's a really good point point. and i think in the wbc i really appreciate that it is a one game a one and done we don't see that anywhere else in baseball at least in major league baseball other than what we had previously in the uh the wild card game or like a game yeah. seven but that's not even yeah. one game that's a, that's the end of a series so we we don't have that like just desperation of like, we have to win this game. So I love that about, I love that about the WBC. And I think that I would definitely want to continue that. Um, And you did, you also made a really good point about um, like the, just the everyday aspect of baseball is also, is the best. Like I I love following, getting to check box scores every single day. You know, Um, I think that when I think about having an, because my goal, if I wanted to implement something like this would be to have some way to have national teams on the field together, facing each other, maybe once a year, how that looks totally fine with like, I, I whether it's before the season, after the season, during the season, um, when it comes to an international break that it, in my mind is really the only way to get like top players to play because if it is before the season or after the season, we already don't see some of them play for the WBC. So if it's just like a exhibition before the season, you're never going to see any of the top players play. Yeah. If it's a break in your schedule, maybe there's actually an excuse for them to be like, all right, well, my country is I'm playing. Like, I mean, all of my friends are playing all of these guys from my country are going to be playing together. So I might as well take a day or two to go off and play, but I don't think that I, I don't see that happening. Um, like a, just a friendly in the middle of a season, I'd be for it probably, but I also do like the aspect of like playing baseball every day and just breaking that up might be a little hard to do.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, as long as I'm watching baseball, I won't complain. So if we have an yeah. international break and then I'm, you know, watching baseball at 5.00 AM for, you know, a game in Australia and then I'm watching a game at, you know, yeah, then, then uh, I'm certainly down for, for how, what, whatever it takes to bring. Cause listen, I'm watching Czech baseball on a stream. I was watching the French challenge cup recently. <laughs> so like, it's not a barrier for me that the major league season's going on right now. So. Yeah,
0: exactly. No, I love it. No, that was a good question though. I, I, I like the the thought exercise, just hearing how we can expand international baseball moving forward, not just their own leagues, but like having the national teams play against each other. Um, next. Question: I'll put two of them together because, of course, as I expected, we're running long. Yeah. <laughs> we can try <laughs> to condense these as much as possible. Um, but the the question is: which two questions? Which four teams do you think will advance in the twenty twenty six qualifiers? I like that question a lot. And the second question is: which baseball country do you think currently has the brightest future on the international stage, and why? The reason I'm putting those together is because I. Brightest future in my, in my mind. He's asking like which country that's not has not done well in the past. Like you could say Japan. They are the best team and they look like they're going to have a very bright, bright future. But in my mind, I'm like probably from qualifiers or maybe like a lower tier country's team. So what are the four teams that you would predict would advance from the 2026 qualifiers?
1: Do you have Do you have your list? I'm thinking of mine right now. Yeah. Uh, so if not, I can. I can...
0: No, no, I can, I can go ahead and go over a few because I think that in my, the ones that come to mind first are, I think Brazil has a very good chance. They've made it to the WBC in the past and uh, they have some really good players, homegrown. Um, it's just the hard part is getting the usa born players because those guys are in the mlb systems if we can get those guys to continue to so like Bo Bichette's not going to be able to play he, he would right. play in the wbc he's he he if they qualify but he wouldn't be able to play in qualifiers i think that they are developing well um and that they have a chance to have a pretty solid team come qualifiers in 2026 so i and i think that they're really um i don't know they're putting a lot towards what qualifying again because for them that is a big deal to get into the wbc otherwise there's just not much growth in brazil so i'm gonna say brazil i'm gonna say taiwan i think that they're stacked and they're gonna be better than pretty much any other team because they're gonna have all of their players from cpbl i'm sure um they shouldn't now, have had to re-qualify yeah,
1: they did so well <laughs> i forgot entirely that they had to requalify because like in my head it's like of course taiwan's in.
0: So yeah, yeah. At the expense of, of Czech, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Czech Czech made it, and then uh, who and uh, Cuba Cuba somehow came from O and two and came back, and because of these different points, they uh, they made it. They don't have to requalify. So it's like teams like that that just like I'm I'm so happy that the Czech Republic qualified, but because of that, China has to requalify, or I'm so happy that Cuba it was able to beat it out and like have a great run at the end of that pool. But now Taiwan has to requalify. So there always has to be one team that loses out. I think that Taiwan is just so much better than pretty much any of the other qualifying teams. They shouldn't have had to requalify.
1: Yeah. I, I was shocked. I was, cause I was, yeah. When, when it came through that they all finished two and two and like the tiebreakers had to be used. I was like, they, they yeah. think what? <laughs> like, yeah. So I think that's, that's very smart.
0: So I'm going to say those two, I'm going to say Brazil uh, and Taiwan. I'm going to say Curacao because they are really pushing to have their own team. Uh, Interesting.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: it's it's going to, if they do end up having their own team, that's going to hurt team Netherlands because a lot of their top players are from Curacao. Um, and they, the Fed, the Curacao Federation, baseball Federation has been pretty adamant that they're going to try to actually enter in qualifiers and compete on their own uh, separately. So I think if they get to, they have a lot of players in MLB organizations from Curacao. So I'm going to say them three. And then the fourth one, I'll say, uh, I'll say Germany. Like they did pretty well. I thought that they were going to be able to qualify in in 2023 or 2022. But um, I don't know. I don't know how baseball looks Right now, like after the following the WBC, but I can imagine that they can get a good team together again. They had a really good team, but the the Czech Cinderella
1: run just beat them out. So that those are those are great picks right there. Um, Germany's one of mine. I picked them to advance from the Regensburg qualifier. They've got a great league system. They've got some great facilities. There are towns that are straight up baseball towns. Um, if anything, it's surprising that Germany hasn't become a, a larger force on the the international circuit. I'm uh, going to steal one of yours. I'm going to steal Taiwan just because I was literally shocked that they have to qualify. So I think that is going to be a, a cakewalk for them. Uh, Colombia, uh, couldn't believe they oh, got bounced. I uh, forgot Colombia. I know. So, I'm uh, so I,
0: sorry to my Colombian fans <laughs> out there.
1: <laughs> uh, and you know, I think, I think Nicaragua was a good team too. Uh, I'm going to go one cause I really, I really like your Brazil pick. I thought Brazil was going to advance, uh, from the Panama qualifier. So I was a little surprised there. Um, uh, but I'm going to go a, a little off the beaten path, uh, just cause it, it's more fun that way. Um, Argentina, uh, Argentina's baseball nice. program is growing. They, you know, if, if the qualifiers weren't their first like international tournament, Uh, It was close to that. So, you know, I I think they're probably a little behind Brazil, but who knows in two years or if not, maybe, you know, four more years after that. Argentina to me is just a a really interesting baseball program and a place I'm excited to see uh, what they do in the future. So maybe I'm a little high on Argentina for two years from now, but Argentina is a place I I really see um, a a future kind of growing.
0: I like that pick a lot um and man, this is something that I didn't realize but they, they are Argentina's like number one in the world for men's softball. so really? they clearly know how to play a bat and ball sport if that they can get some of those players to translate over to baseball that could be that could be huge. Maybe they could actually have some really good homegrown success um, real quick other teams I want to point out yeah Colombia Nicaragua good both qualified. They both have the talent too. There's too many teams that should qualify. Honestly. Um, I like, like I said, I like Germany, another one, um, that I think could be fun to see Philippines. They have a couple MLB players that are Filipino American. So if we got to see them in the WBC, I think they would be great. Hard part is I don't know how many of those players would be able to play for them in the qualifiers. Um, so that'd be a great team. And, uh, Yeah. I really like the Argentina pick. That's, that's a ton of fun.
1: Yeah. So speaking of softball, um, I recently talked to Jimmy Jensen. Uh, he he's the chief operating officer baseball jobs overseas. He's playing in Czech right now, but he's played seven different countries, but he went to New Zealand. One of his things is trying to grow the game. He went to New Zealand and he said, New Zealand's really interesting because they're so good at softball. So like the swings in New Zealand are pretty good, but he's a, he's a pitcher. He's the pitching coach for Austria. Um, so he was like working with the pitching He's like the pitching is what is there's not a lot because mm. they're used to throwing underhand. So like teaching them the overhand baseball, the swings were solid. It's the pitching that is, you know, way behind. It's got to kind of catch up a little bit. So I thought that was that's a, so interesting. Yeah. His, his one year there, that's kind of what, what he learned.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, my guess is that it's probably the same with Argentina. Then they, they got the swings. They not, they not hit the ball, but Um, yeah, hopefully they can develop some pitchers. I think, Ooh, I'm blanking on his name. Cuban pitcher for Yenier Cano, a relief pitcher for the Orioles that's breaking out this year. Cuban, he is eligible for Argentina because I think he played baseball there and lived there for a few years after, uh, leaving Cuba. So that would be a ton of fun to see an arm like that pitch for them. Uh, Cause he's, I oh, mean, he's man. lights out one of the best relievers in baseball this year.
1: Yeah. If, can you imagine if Argentina wins a qualifier and yeah, they get a major league player on their roster. That would be, that'd be unbelievable. That'd be great. Especially a pitcher who is just like dominating the majors right now.
0: Oh yeah. That's like how I, I mean, one of the best stories in baseball so far this year with um, Liam Hendricks coming back. Um, but I was, I was so sad because I mean, this is way down on the priority list, but. He was supposed to play for, for them in the WBC, but to see him play for them in 2026 would just be so awesome. Not only because of his story, but also because like, he's so dominant. Like he'd be, you'd you'd see, like you'd see him coming out in the ninth and just no one be able to hit him. So it'd be a ton of fun to see that. Um, Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I'll go. We have, we'll, we'll go over these last couple questions. Um, These, yeah, we'll we'll do this one. This one's from Yaku Cosmopolitan, uh, everybody's favorite Japanese account in English on Twitter. He's a great guy. I had him on the podcast. He's been a ton of help for everything that I've done with all my Japanese content. So he asked for both of us, uh, what is the challenge uh, that you faced covering the tournament that most fans may not realize? And then he said for him getting, because he covered it in Japan as well, for, for him getting home at midnight every day then getting up early to head back to the stadium again for a week was exhausting, but 110% worth it. So uh, I think I know what I'll say for this, but Michael, what is a challenge that
1: you faced covering the tournament that most fans may not realize? All right. So I'll do two. My first is his, Um, it is not a complaint because I consider it one of the best weeks of my life and it was worth it. And it was a dream come true, but it was hard. I, I kept telling people, like, I just need, like, a breather. It felt like, you know, when you're in, like, a basketball game and you're like, please, coach, just, like, give me, like, a minute on the bench. And I know I'm just sitting there writing, but it being there at, like, nine eight thirty nine in the morning for pregame workouts and interviews, cover the game, write the game story, cover the next pregame interviews, cover the game, write the story, get home midnight, 1 a.m. The amount of room service I ordered at 2 in the morning – uh, and then was back at the park at nine. That was, it was exhausting. It was great. I loved it, but it, it yep. was, uh, it was a grind. Um, it, there's a reason why I was mostly eating Japanese snack food and gaining weight <laughs> while I was covering this tournament. So, uh, and then the, the second it's, it's the language barrier and, um, everyone is very mm. helpful. There are translators, but, um, it's, it's just difficult. It's difficult not to just be able to go up to someone and talk to them. I speak very little Spanish. I can speak kind of enough to say, you know, introduce myself and ask, can you speak English? Or, and, you know, um, if you're, if you can speak English conversationally, but maybe you're not comfortable without a translator, um, which is totally fine. It's just, then we have to you know find someone who can translate. So, um, it's really just, it, it's, uh, it's, it's just an, it's an interesting challenge that yeah. um, navigating that was just a, a, a little more difficult. Um, in the press conferences in Japan, and, and, and in Miami as well, you would wear like a headset. For people who don't know, you'd wear a headset and there would be a simultaneous translation. So the guy's up on the podium speaking, and you're wearing headphones listening, and the person is trying to translate the words into your head as the other person is talking. It is. An yeah. Imagine insane having that job. job. I Ugh. don't understand how they did it at all because you are listening and talking at the same time, and also other languages like English. The way like grammar is in English is not the same as in other languages. So you're having to like listen and then try and flip it back. So I know something had to have been lost in the translation, and. What that is, I, you know, I'll never be able to know. But um, that was one of the challenges. And uh, I thank, you know, I'm KK was one of the main translators uh, in Japan. I thanked him every day because it, it, that was a hard job. And without him, I couldn't have done my job at all. Uh, same for the people in Miami. Uh, I didn't speak to them personally, but um, that that was the, the, just how difficult. When, when I tried to do Team Japan interviews, I had to specify, like, especially set them up for when one of the two translators with the team could be available to be with me while I tried to talk to a lot players and they have their own jobs, not just being like my personal, like, you know, valet to help with this stuff. So, um, still great, still unbelievable. Uh, I just wish I was a polyglot and spoke five or six languages and then I wouldn't have to worry about any of this. How about you?
0: I, I mean, those are both like spot on. I experienced the exact same thing. Like as Yaku Cosmopolitan said, and as as you said, waking up early, going to bed, past midnight, every single night was exhausting. It was so worth it, but uh, because we'd waited for it for so long and it was just the most fun tournament ever, but it was exhausting. It was a lot in the body and I definitely gained weight. So don't feel alone in that. <laughs> a lot of snack food. <laughs> Thank God. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I um, The language barrier was really interesting. I think that so one of my biggest goals on Twitter was to be able to help bridge that and thank the Lord that there is Google Translate right on the tweets of everything that is tweeted. So that's a huge help. But I mean, it's, it's just the reality of life in other countries. Like it's, it's very difficult to be able to communicate with people from other countries. And it gave me such an appreciation for not only like the guy that translates in real time from Japanese or Spanish to English, to Spanish, to Japanese, like all just in every which way, but also like the players that come over to the U S that are not native English speakers, because we kind of had that flipped around for the first time in our, in my baseball experience so the first time I've ever had like the m- majority of non-English speaking communication. So for example, like all of the Japanese media, but then also all of the teams pretty much in pool D and pool C were uh, Spanish speaking. Like there are very, the English speaking countries are a minority in baseball. Obviously the U S is huge. And so that's a big part of it in MLB, but um, for the most part, other countries speak Spanish or Japanese or Korean or Czech or, uh, or Italian. So, um, that was a very interesting for me, uh, very interesting experience. And I, honestly, it was kind of fun is to be able to grow and like learn just the reality of like how other fans and media members do sports in like internationally in different countries. Um, and see the last thing for me is just figuring out my schedule was difficult with having a full-time job because this, my job was not to cover the WBC, but I was covering the WBC as if it was my full-time job. <laughs> so I was working from 7 a.m. until four in the afternoon. And then while doing baseball on the side, and then from four in the afternoon until 2 a.m., I was doing baseball. And then I'd wake up at three or four to watch the games <laughs> in Japan and Korea, and then continue doing that. So I, I've i given my wife a shout out every single time I talk about this, because she's just like the biggest supporter and like, This is like what you're doing. You're doing like this is. If you're gonna do this, do it all the way. Like you, you're. This is what you want to do, and and I eventually want this to be my job. So we're doing this. We're doing this all the way. So she was a huge supporter in that, and I. It was hard to manage, but again, hundred and ten percent worth
1: it. I. That is, man. Applause. Applause, man. That is. That is. (laughs) I I was tired from doing it, and I didn't have yeah a a second job. I was doing the same time, so. Uh, unreal and uh yeah whatever support you got from your like cheers to her as well so uh yeah unreal great. yeah we all thank you yeah. too, for, for doing it because yeah you you were the source for a lot of information for a lot of people
0: well hopefully i'm not the only one come 2026 hopefully we have a even wider baseball international baseball network so that we can all feed off of each other because it was a ton of fun to be able to do it with you and like the Dominican reporters that I met and like the, the Venezuelan reporters that I communicated with. So it's, it's, it's a super fun network. Uh, hopefully it's even more expansive next go around. Um, couple just last two questions, excluding the final, what was your single moment highlight of the WBC? And while you, if I know, I don't know if you already have something, but I'll shout out at Gav tramps. Gav is one of the, uh, Batflips and nerds guys I met him in uh Phoenix and he's he was an awesome uh he's an awesome dude um he knows everything about British baseball so he said him he said mine obviously was Ian Jabot's final pitch to secure Great Britain's win over Columbia then the next few hours were a blur so that was such a great moment
1: <laughs> oh man what, what, what's your moment what's your moment I, I don't want don't want to steal. yeah first all of them no no you're
0: good and thanks for pushing it back to me because i don't want you to go first every time (laughs) that's that's not good podcast etiquette um for me i would say so he said excluding the final uh i'd say one of my favorite moments this doesn't i mean this is kind of the final because after the final was getting to interview the japanese players because it was the first time that i was able to get close to them and uh actually like speak with them so um getting to getting to actually commute like I don't know, have interviews, even like Roki Sasaki I got to talk to him, which was like the craziest thing. He spoke a little bit of English and like had we had a translator to get to talk to him um with him was was a ton of fun. Um so that was super fun. That's that was on the field. That was the final. When it comes to other than the final, I loved. This is also on the field. I love the Trey Turner Grand Slam. That was just, I was elated, just freaking out the fact that it was what I think the eighth inning. We were down to Venezuela. There's no hope. And yeah, he was, I think we were down by three runs, hit the Grand Slam. We were up. It was just like one of the craziest moments for me watching that live. Um, Super cool. Um, And then the other one that comes to mind for me was uh, Shohei Otani's batting practice which i know that you got to see some in in japan but oh my goodness that is just an event in itself like seeing him take bp launch it off the top of the scoreboard in miami the upper deck like the top row was just a spectacle so that's that was a big one for me um never thought i people had talked about how big of a deal his bps were i didn't i didn't expect it to be like that
1: that one when korea played japan Team Korea sat down to watch Otani take BP. I was blown away. Like your number one rival in the biggest game is like, yeah, we're still gonna take a minute and watch Otani mash some dingers. So <laughs> uh, that those BP, uh, BP was, was unbelievable. Um, for me, uh, not too surprising. The Martin Mujic home run against China, uh, I thought was unbelievable. It was an incredible game, heartbreaking for China. Uh, unbelievable for Czech. It confirmed their place in 2026, which is a huge mm-hmm. for that program because they had come so close so many times. Olympics and qualifiers and and for music to hit that. He is the caretaker of the Hubica field uh, that has a castle mm-hmm. in the background. Um, so, like, he's, he's baseball all day long. He, he, he manages that field. So, and then his mom was there, and his mom became kind of an internet celebrity because she's sobbing behind home plate. Uh, I absolutely adored that, uh, when Roki Sasaki, after he hit Willie Ascala unchecked, when he met him the next day to apologize for hitting him with a hundred two mile per hour fastball, uh, and, and brought him a bag of, uh, two bags of Japanese candy. I just, I loved that. Um, I had been tipped off. It was happening, but it w- they wanted it to be private. So I was like, all right, that's fine. I, I won't go and pester them with questions. I'll pester them at the, the ballpark about it later. Um, yeah. And then the, the Turner grand slam one of uh, when Otani hit that massive home run against Australia and mm. the fan passed it around to all the other fans oh, yeah. in the section. Uh, I was lucky enough. I talked to the fan. She was lovely, but yeah, like everybody just wanted to hold a piece of Otani for a second. And they did, they shared that. You want to talk about surprise fan moments right there. That would never happen. It, it, Someone would steal it and it would be on eBay, uh, 10 minutes later. So, and then, uh, Mexico, I mean that, that Mexico, Japan game was, was unbelievable. Uh, the Murakami Mm -hmm. double to win it obviously, but team Mexico cheering for their fans, uh, at, at the end, um, was a, was a pretty magical, magical moment. And then one I didn't see in person. So it's just through Twitter, just how Yu Chang just became the biggest, coolest, all the Yu Chang memes from Taiwan. Um, See, I couldn't choose just one, uh, but that that yeah. Martin music home run uh, was was pretty was pretty unbelievable.
0: Sorry, Gav, I knew I, I knew when you asked asked this question, there was no way either of us were going to be, be able to keep this to a single moment. But yeah. just, oh, because now just I want moments. to talk
1: about Harry Ford putting on the the cape oh. and the crown. Like that's one of my favorite moments. Like there's too many favorite moments. There's too many. Oh yeah.
0: man, it was. Or like the, the Duque Hebert when he uh, struck out uh, J-Rod and Devers and uh, Manny Machado and then immediately after signed with the Tigers or at least like had uh, agreed to a contract the scout stopped him before he left the stadium and was like, hey, you're really good. We've never heard of you before, but do you want to sign with the Tigers? Like, that's just the
1: coolest thing. The best. I hope he makes it to the majors and we get the, the movie in a couple of years, so.
0: Me oh me too. He just made his pro debut uh, today. I think he threw like four no innings and uh, struck out three. Yeah, three batters in the Dominican summer league. So hey, there we Good go. Good for him. First, my first favorite.
1: Step.
0: I'll say also my favorite interview I did throughout the entire WBC was with Shugo Maki. That was after the final as well, uh, right before the Roki Sasaki one. He was so funny. I like you don't. It's hard to get humor or like personality when it's they speak an entirely different language. <laughs> but talking to him, I, he didn't, doesn't speak great English. I asked him if he wanted to, and he was like, yeah, great. I'll try. And I was like, I was just so thankful he'd even wanted to try. And I went up to him and I was like, Hey, w- what are you feeling? Like winning the WBC? What, where are you feeling right now? And he was like, uh, thank you. <laughs> and then we just <laughs> both laughed. Uh, and I just asked him a couple more questions. We had a translator and just every question he answered was like so funny. And he could just tell, he's like, such a jokester. Um, just really nice. And it like blew up on some YouTube channel. Like they took my video, I guess. And like, it has like a couple million views now and everybody's just talking about how funny it is. Um, so I, I would love to meet him again someday. I don't know how that would ever even be possible, but he's, he's so funny. It was such a funny interview. One day
1: I have faith. I have faith. you will cross this path again.
0: I think so. I hope so. Last question, It's an easy answer, I think for me at least. Uh, will you this is this is from the one and only baseball stat CZ. Will you come to watch European Championships in September? For me, my answer is, I would love to uh, don't know if I have the funds for that right now, but if someone wants to uh, help out on that, I'd love to go. That being said, I don't know how likely it is.
1: But Michael, what about you? Not positive. I'm hoping to be covering at least some of them. So, um, breaking news. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Rumor, at cool. least. Yeah. Um, I if I won't if I'm not there, I will be calling people and watching the games uh, from the U S and doing, you know, whatever coverage I can. Uh, so cro- crossing every finger. Um, but uh, yeah, I, the European championships are going to be huge. The fact that they're in progress mm-hmm. here, and we've already seen how Czech baseball has exploded. The amount of Japanese fans that have gone to games and um, we're just seeing how WBC just helps these programs explode. And so to kind of capitalize on that is perfect perfect timing so i'm crossing every finger and toe in my body i'm not positive uh but i'm 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 hoping against all hope that uh i I can make it out there
0: well i know we would all love to see you there love to see you covered in person regardless i have no doubt that you'll be tweeting about it whether (laughs) there or here from the u.s so that is that's not a doubt in my mind
1: Champions cup is tomorrow recording on Monday, Tuesday, champions cup club, international baseball starts. So yes, uh, we got to dive into that now.
0: That's going to be fantastic. Um, Yeah, man, this is, this is great. That's all the questions that we wanted to cover. Uh, Thank you so much to all of everyone that submitted your questions. Hopefully we answered everything uh, (laughs) I put on Twitter. I was like, I promise to answer it. I don't know if it'll be intelligent or not, but I at least promise you'll get an answer. So Hopefully we answered most, if not all of the questions. Um, Michael, this was awesome. Like, this is exactly what I wanted it to be. Just so fun to talk about the WBC with you. So well, if, is right. there anything yeah. last, any last words or anything you want to plug? Uh,
1: God, the only last words is baseball's global. Um, wherever you are, there's baseball, go find it. Um, and if, if you have a cool story, let us know. Cause we love it. Um, and for absolutely. me, absolutely. uh, MLB.com uh, world baseball classic actually.com is still where international baseball stories are going. Um, you know, we tend to run, you know, I ran one on Jimmy Jensen this morning. I've got a couple coming up. Uh, one that's interesting is on Bhutan baseball. So uh, for a plug, yeah. just go, go, go check, uh, go check out MLB.com or, or world baseball classic.com. And uh, the more, the more, and where can gonna... we follow you? Oh, uh, I'm on Twitter at Michael S. Claire. Uh, no E on Claire, and that's Perfect. that's me. So, so yeah, we this got has been World amazing. Baseball
0: Classic website. Definitely go check out all his stuff and his personal Twitter on MLB website wherever, everywhere. Just go go read it all and consume it all because they're all great stories. Uh, Sean,
1: this is this is amazing. Uh, I. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure all my family and friends are happy. I'm not bothering them about international baseball for a couple hours. So uh, thank you so much because it's been a it's been an absolute blast to to talk WBC with you for for a little while.
0: Feel free to bother me about it any time. We'll we'll definitely do this again. Um, the 2020 2025 qualifiers aren't too far
1: away, so we'll yeah. start talking about those as. Before we know it. <laughs> yeah, they're coming up. They're coming up. Teams are, you know, planning their rosters out right now. Pan American games are European yep. championships are end of September. Pan American games are October, I think. Um, I know baseball jobs overseas is going down and has got a couple like friendlies against like Argentina and stuff while they while they get ready. We've got baseball united, two teams. We got a team in Pakistan, Let's a team go. In, in India, like this thing's only getting bigger, man. This is awesome.
0: Every year it continues to grow and continues to get more global, man. It's it's the future of baseball, for sure. The future yeah. of baseball is for sure international. But thank you so much, man, for coming on. This was awesome. Michael Claire, everyone. This is Sean Spradling. Um, yeah, go follow, like, subscribe. WBC Central on the Baseball Isn't Boring Podcast Network. Spotify, Apple, Odyssey, my YouTube channel. My Twitter is at Sean underscore Sproutling, just all the places. So let us know if you have any other questions. Feel free to reach out to us anytime. Bug us in our DMs. We love it. So uh,
1: yeah, that's it. Y'all have a great day or morning or night or whenever you're listening to this. Talk to you later.